Hello, and welcome to Prophecy Girls, a Buffy rewatch podcast. I'm Kara Babcock, pronouns she, her. And I'm Stephanie Chow, pronouns she, her. Join us each week as we break down every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer from the beginning. This is a spoiler-free podcast, and we're currently on season two. Whether you're watching for the first time, or longtime fans like us, we'll be analyzing every episode, character, and storyline like it's our first time, too. During this rewatch, we'll reminisce about our memories of Buffy, discuss the show's cultural impact, and provide honest commentary on the show. Thanks for listening. Now on to the episode. Ah, teen rebellion, teen drinking, snake demons. (laughs) We have gotten to... Season 2, Episode 5, Reptile Boy, which followed directly after Inca Mummy Girl. Do you think that was a coincidence? No, I feel like they couldn't come up with a good title for this episode. (laughs) Because this is not a good title for this episode. This episode actually has very little to do with a reptile boy. (laughs) Are you sure about that? Are you sure? Maybe we can talk about that at the end, whether or not there is a reptile boy or not. I mean, there is, technically, right? But Uh this is one of those episodes where the monster is kind of incidental to the plot. Mm. Yeah, well, we can talk about that at the end of the episode for sure. I do want to say before we start that this episode was a beacon of light when it came to Cordelia's humor. Oh, for sure. I lulled many times at so many things that she was saying. Like, she had great lines in this episode. And her delivery, right? Like, Charisma Carpenter just nails this character yeah she gets it (laughs) all right let's begin uh we open up at buffy's house and this is the first time we've ever opened up with just the three of them chilling out like normal teens i love it i love seeing this yeah i like seeing it too this is like original threesome (laughs) they uh they're braiding willow's hair and they're watching a bollywood movie they're chilling because apparently a hush has come over sunnydale and there isn't much slaying to do Or so we thought. (sighs) Once again, this time it was Buffy who said it, right? I think in the last episode, was it Willow who said it? It was Xander. It was Xander, of course. So every every time, every time, one of them has to say, oh, nothing's going to happen. Yeah, it's all good here. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) They'll never learn. Uh, We cut to a giant mansion and a girl breaks out of the upstairs window, jumps off a balcony and starts running booking it across the field or the the lawn and a group of men in robes come out of the mansion and chase her and she runs into the backwoods area and hops over a wall that leads to the cemetery because of course it does and every wall leads to a cemetery in sunnydale because i think there are like a dozen cemeteries (laughs) right so whenever buffy's like i'm patrolling tonight i kind of wish they would specify which cemetery (laughs) is it the one by the giant mansion is it one with the ice cream parlor in the middle of it like which one um but obviously it's a horror show so we got to get a girl running from danger like you know once an episode but she kept looking back at her pursuers and i was like no you look ahead you pick your target you run you sprint you know you give them the fades too like when they come at you um but at first she was doing really really well but then yeah jumped over the wall somehow the best looking guy out of all these guys in robes had outsmarted her and was already waiting in the cemetery for her and stopped her. Maybe this isn't the first time that a girl has tried to escape this way. Oh God. So he just knew as soon as he heard that window break, he was like, I'm going to the cemetery. That's where she's heading. 
And he says, party's just getting started. And the other robed guys have caught up to her and they drag her away. And I was like, girl, start screaming. Like, that's another thing. She was running and she was looking back. And I was like, no, no, no. And I'm like, scream too. Like, make lots of noise. Lots of noise. But you know what? When I was watching this episode a few days ago, I texted you because <laughs> somebody in the credits... <laughs> was called Todd Babcock and I was like is that your cousin like do you know him I wish I knew somebody in show business you know do you know any of the chows I know them all (laughs) we're a tight group us chows um so next day at school Cordelia is taking advice from a Dr. Debbie in a magazine about how to speak to men And apparently all you got to do to speak to men, listeners, write this down, eye contact, and you need to really listen, and you need to laugh at everything he says. And she shows us how she does this by letting out the fakest laugh one could ever hear. (laughs) And Willow and Buffy are also walking down the hall, and they're talking about how Buffy has been having crazy sex dreams about Angel for the past couple nights. And I was like, yes, same. I was going to say you could relate, right? Yeah, Scott? I get that. Yeah. It's like, what's weird about that, Buffy? That's <laughs> it's like any other night for uh, the chows out there. <laughs> um, Buffy's been thinking about Angel a lot in bed, but also probably in the daylight. And Willow's saying, you know, you guys are so right for each other, except for, you know, you're a slayer and he's a vampire. And Buffy admits that she can't have a relationship with him. Like She knows that. And Willow encourages her. Though, because Willow knows that Buffy loves him, she's really into him, she's like, why don't you just ask him out for coffee? Because coffee meetups are a lot more casual than your average date date. It's not as serious as a date. And I agree with her. I'm like, you know what, Willow, you're bang on. A coffee meetup is way more cash. I also like this conversation because, again, it's girl talk. You know, it's Buffy and Willow talking about normal teenage life, not about Slayer duties. So... Yes, they're talking about somebody who's a vampire, but it gives us this insight into the friendship that they have. And that's really nice. Yeah, you and I are always big fans of when they have their girl talk about boys, you know. So then, of course, Xander comes up behind them and is, you know, starting to interject into their conversation. But then he stops in front of Cordy, who's talking to her friend, and he eavesdrops on her and asks her if she's dating college guys now. And Cordy says she's dating a Delta Zeta Kappa, so a frat boy. And Xander makes fun of this, saying she can only date aliens after she exhausts all human men. Ha ha ha, another slut-shaming joke. And Cordelia comes up with a zinger. (laughs) She says she knows his pizza delivery career will take him so many exciting places. And Xander looked really hurt by this comment. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, but Xander, like, yeah, that was mean, but you walked right into that. You invited that conversation to happen. Don't dish it out if you can't take it, right? <laughs> yeah, if you can't take the heat, get out of the kitchen, Xander. Also, has Xander not been paying attention to anything from the past season? Because it was like episode two of season one or something where Cordelia establishes that seniors and college guys are the only way to go right like we know cordelia is into the older men this is very consistent with her character yeah it is and also having these awesome takedowns <laughs> like being a bully that's what Z- that's what cordelia excels at so why even True. take her on xander and that actually reminds me because this episode 
we actually get a little more of a glimpse into what Xander's home life could possibly be. Because mm-hmm. in uh, episode eight, I Robot You Jane, we got a, just a small little taste of the fact that Xander is probably coming from a low income household, mm-hmm. that he's lower middle class, perhaps. So in this episode, we get a little bit more sprinkling of that yeah. and a little bit more understanding of where he's coming from. Mm-hmm. So the bell rings and Buffy realizes she's late to meet Giles, but she knows he won't be upset because there's been nothing happening in the Hellmouth lately. Turns out Giles is enraged. <laughs> Buffy's 0 for 2 with her prediction so far. <laughs> yeah, because we're in the library and Giles is freaking out on her. He's like, just because there's nothing happening, you can't let your guard down. You're being lazy. Like she was skipping training with him in some places. She's late for everything. Honestly, I just I found this scene a bit boring because it's just repetitive. Again, yeah. like we had this conversation last episode, how like it seems like every couple of episodes, the pendulum swings back and forth between Giles being a really supportive parent figure and then Giles being like harsh and telling Buffy she hasn't accepted her destiny, where I think you and I both agree Buffy has pretty clearly accepted her destiny here. She so. died. <laughs> she literally died already. And she doesn't rub that in Giles's face enough. If she doesn't bring it up enough, that's true. Possibly because it's traumatic for her. But I, I do agree with you. And I think that Giles, this attitude from him, this need to push her, I get if it came directly after she died. But the fact that it was downplayed for a couple episodes and then the last two episodes really ramped up is like whiplash. It's like, I don't know why you're pushing this so hard. We already know all this. And... Buffy reminds him that he doesn't know what it's like to be 16 and a girl and a slayer. And also she admits that staking vampires is hard for her when she's starting to have feelings for one. (laughs) And Giles just gets really stern. Again, he gets like overboard and he's just like, sometimes in life we got to do things we don't like. You have to be here tonight with me for hand-to-hand combat. Then you go patrolling. I don't want to hear anything about it. You're not going to be late. Like he gets really like dad- angry at her and then she starts pouting like literally starts pouting at him and he's like that's not gonna work but clearly it's affecting him i will say as a teacher i do empathize with giles here and sympathize with him because it is a struggle when you're teaching students especially students who are very young and inexperienced so far in life to walk that line between being stern and and demanding the best of them because you know what they're capable of versus being flexible and understanding and giving them the space to make mistakes or to take breaks because that's good for your mental health, you know? So I, I get the struggle that Giles is going through here. And I think the show does a really good job of getting that across to us. Yeah, we can definitely see both sides. And after school, out front, uh, Buffy is indeed dawdling with her friends just a little a little taste of rebellion we're getting from Buffy just by purposefully not meeting Giles at the exact time that he told her to we do know from Schoolhard that she was the second baddest girl in school and now that (laughs) Sheila's no longer there I believe Buffy is the baddest student at Sunnydale (laughs) she's so bad that she dawdles (laughs) true and where is Sheila (laughs) what happened to her Uh, we'll never know um 
a car pulls up to the front, a nice one. I, I don't know cars. It might be a BMW. <laughs> Couldn't say. Cordelia goes and meets it. And there is the robed guy, the good looking robed guy, the Zach Morris looking motherfucker out front uh, in the car with his friend. And she calls him Richard. But we could call him Mitch. We can call him any bro name. I was going to suggest this, yes. <laughs> and actually, I'm going to keep changing his name throughout the record uh, throughout this episode. Just any bro frat boy name I can think of is this guy. So, <laughs> Mitch, Richard, Brad, whatever we want to call him. And uh, him and his friends spot Buffy, and they say, "Hey, who's your friend? Uh, we're having a special meeting, a special evening at the frat house, and." You should ask her, your friend to get over here because she's amazing. They just, they saw her from afar and like, that's, she's amazing. <laughs> so Cordelia's like, oh, I'm not her friend. But then when they're like, oh, go get her. She's like, oh, we're like sisters. And she goes to get Buffy, who is very resistant. She's like, I don't want to meet frat guys. Mm-hmm. Cordy doesn't give a shit, pulls her over. And Richard automatically calls her sweetheart. And Buffy is like, I'm so not interested in this. But then Richard's friend, who is less handsome, but nicer and politer, starts to apologize for Richard's bad guy, bad boy behavior, because this is a nice guy, right? Like, we can tell already, this is going to be a nice guy. It's such an act. It's such an act. act. And Xander sees through it. Good for him. Maybe Xander sees through it because he also puts on those acts. I don't know. (laughs) Um, But, like, Xander sees what's going on, and he's like, Buffy's not going to fall for this. Buffy's going to turn around in three Two, one, but she doesn't. Buffy is falling for Tom's incredibly creepy nice guy behavior. It's such an act. Like the way that he's like, oh, I'm such a adult. I can't believe I, I embarrass myself like this. Me, 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 self-deprecation. The humor. It's, it's, it's the oldest trick in the book, Buffy. And he says his name is Tom. Because <laughs> of course. And he says, Richard's not even my friend. He just joined the frat because his father and his grandfather were in it before him. So he's saying this. It's almost like trying to get Buffy to open up to him more, right? Like, oh, I'm not really mm-hmm. one of these guys, but I'm I'm still here. I'm just not here, you know? And he invites her to the party, which he says, oh, it's going to be so dull. It's like, I don't, it's not my scene, you know, but like if someone like you is there, I'll like it. And Buffy is charmed, but she says she's involved. And that's when Giles comes up and is like, Buffy! (laughs) And points to his watch. He's pissed. And Buffy basically goes to leave. But you can tell she's intrigued by this nice guy fakeness. That's when Xander says, I hate these guys. Whatever they want just falls into their laps. Xander was going to be jealous of Tom no matter what. But Mm -hmm. it's that added frat boy, rich boy sample pack of these boys in front of the school that Xander doesn't like. I'm with Xander on this one. Yeah, well, yeah, because we know that obviously Tom and Mitch are pieces of shit. (laughs) So we cut to Buffy and Giles training. I don't even know why Buffy and Giles train like this, because Giles, you are in no match. I don't know, like capture a vampire and get her to practice on that or something, (laughs) right? Like, just like what you helping her like this doesn't seem practical. And I think he knows that because he's like, okay, off to the cemetery with you. So Buffy picks her favorite cemetery and she patrols it that night and she finds a bracelet that has ENT on it and it's broken. And she's suspicious of it because Buffy is a really good slayer, I guess. But like if I just found a bracelet on the ground, you'd be like, hey, whatever. But Buffy's 
Slayer senses are tingling. And it's very helpful that Angel shows up just then to say that he smells blood on it. Because he's a vampire. And he's got heightened Ooh. blood smells. Ooh. Yeah. So Buffy takes this moment, because he's here, to, to invite him to coffee. And Angel is kind of like, oh, is it like a date? And she's like, no. Uh, because that would be far too honest for her to admit that it was a date. And Angel's confused and Buffy panics and it's a really awkward conversation. And then it takes a turn and Angel's like, I knew this was going to happen. You're 16 years old. I'm 241. You don't know what you're doing. You don't know what you want. That's very patronizing. It is. You know, it's not a great thing for Angel stands like me to hear a conversation like this because... Like you just said, Angel, you're being super patronizing because you've already kissed her. You've already taken it to that extra level. And then for the last, the better part of the end of season one, you avoided her because you knew that you both had feelings for each other and you did the mature thing and kept your distance. But for whatever reason, now that she's back in town, you're approaching her again. So to say that you knew this was going to happen, it's like, well, then you also knew how to avoid it. Exactly. He does nothing to set clear boundaries and parameters for the relationship he does want to have with her or thinks that he can allow himself to have with her. So this is on Angel because as he said, she's 16. She is new to this. She doesn't really know what she's doing. But instead of saying it in a patronizing way, buddy, you should account for that in how you behave around her. And he's not. So boo Angel. Boo, boo, my precious boyfriend, Angel, because, you know, you've already kissed her. You've already you've already had these weird, sexy dance offs. <laughs> you've already held hands with her. And now, for whatever reason, having a coffee is just too far for you. I mean, coffees lead to kissing and kissing leads to sex. And sex leads to having a cigarette in bed the next morning. You know, it's a slippery slope, Stephanie. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing, too, because he says, he says, like, if if we if we do this, if we go on this date, one thing will lead to another. And like you just said, like, yeah, does he mean sex when he says that? Does he mean an inevitable breakup because he's a vampire and she's a human? What does he mean? And Buffy says, well, one thing already has led to another, which is so true. And it's too late for this because he's already done all the steps that have led to this moment of her getting hurt and putting herself out there. He says he's trying to protect her. It's like, but you're not. You you did, but now you're not anymore. And then he says, this isn't some fairy tale. First he, first, he aggressively grabs her and then says, this isn't some fairy tale. When I kiss you, you don't wake up from a deep sleep and live happily ever after. And Buffy says, no. When you kiss me, I want to die. And then she runs away. She takes off. And Kara, like, I'm only human. So I love the melodrama of this whole thing. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is who I am and I make no apologies. But I don't know. It's just really unfair. It's really like Angel, he's not taking into account that a lot of what Buffy's feeling and why she's pursuing a coffee date with him is his own actions. It's his own doing. Mm -hmm. He chose to be there that night. He doesn't understand how incredibly irresistible he is. <laughs> he really, 
he really doesn't. And I find it interesting, too, how uh, he says this whole fairy tale thing, like, compares her to Snow White, right? Like, I'm not going to kiss you, you're not going to wake up, and we're going to be together. And do you remember back in Prophecy Girls when we talked about Xander when he gives Buffy CPR and she wakes up? Uh, we talked about how that was in comparison to these princess tropes. And it's just so interesting because when he says, like, you don't wake up and live happily ever after, Buffy says, no, when I kiss you, I want to die. You know, if she had chosen Xander after she came back to life, after she died, if she saw that he gave her CPR and he was the hero as Joss Whedon so wanted it to be, and she had been with him, like, she wouldn't want to die. Perhaps she would have had a happier life with somebody who's more human. Not Xander, particularly, but a human guy. But she's choosing literally death because Angel's not alive. So I just thought that was really interesting that they brought it up then. Okay, yeah, I I did not think as deeply about this scene as you did but i i knew you would so i knew you'd have us covered (laughs) well i'm a scholar i don't know if you knew that Uh, next day at school buffy is really bummed out i would be too i'd be like i wonder if she even had a sex dream about him that night probably not she's probably too upset poor girl (laughs) like fuck buffy you got it rough uh cordelia comes up and it's like buffy did you lose weight and your hair (laughs) then All right, I respect you too much to be dishonest. (laughs) Basically, the Zeta Kappas, so uh, Mitch and the gang, are going to be having a party. And this is disgusting because they need to keep their ratio for the party level. So if Buffy doesn't go with Cordelia, Cordelia can't go because the ratio of boys and girls will be off. I mean, I don't think... I think that's just a very thin excuse that Mitch has fed to Cordelia because Cordelia, in his opinion, is dumb enough to accept that. I don't think they really care about the ratio. I think this is just a way for them to get Buffy and Cordelia to the party because they need a certain number of disposable girls Mm -hmm. for whatever nefarious activity they're getting up to that involves them dressing up in robes and (laughs) chasing women into cemeteries. Yeah, yeah. And I've been to those kind of parties. Oh, okay. I'm learning so much about you doing this podcast with you. Stephanie. It has nothing to do with ratio. <laughs> you just need one girl to chase and a bunch of guys, you know? Um, so Cordelia says yeah, uh, she has to go because she wants to marry Richard because he's an Anderson, as in Anderson Cosmetics. And that made me laugh. <laughs> And then she's like, Buffy, these men are rich and I'm not being shallow because think of all the poor people I could help with all my money. Oh, Cordelia. I gotta (laughs) give it to the girl. She has goals. Yeah. You know, at least like she knows what she wants from her life, which is more (laughs) than you can say for some people at Sunnydale High. Yeah, that's fair. And that's fucking hilarious line. And Buffy, her headspace is clearly still all about what her her conversation with Angel the night before and probably Giles, who was also, you know, on her case earlier that day about her being immature and her being young, and these men just, like, making decisions for her that she's got no control over. So she agrees. She's just like, yeah, I'll go. Like, this is my next Mm -hmm. little bit of rebellion. I'll go. Sure. It's rebellion, and it's also, you know, Buffy's trading in one older guy for some other older guys, Mm. and I'm wondering if she kind of thinks in her 16-year-old brain, if I could somehow get with a frat guy, 
maybe that's going to make Angel more jealous than like Xander would make. Like Xander almost made Angel jealous, right? A couple episodes ago, we kind <laughs> of saw him getting jealous about that. So it's Why? like, what were they doing? <laughs> I don't want to talk about it, Steph. <laughs> The lawyer said that you had to stop reminding me of that. <laughs> stop bringing the lawyer into this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so maybe Buffy's thinking that this is another way to either get Angel jealous or like prove to Angel that she's mature enough to handle a relationship with her. Mm, yeah, and just making decisions for herself. So yeah, so Buffy's going to go and of course cut to the basement of Delta Zeta Kappa and all the boys are down there doing rituals for someone named Makita and cutting symbols into their skin. This is never a good sign. Maybe this is classic frat boy antics. I wouldn't know because there aren't really fraternities in Canada. There are a couple, I think. But I, I just feel like this is a little overboard. This is probably not what they usually do at their parties. Probably not. Probably I will not. say the only thing worse than frat boys is frat boys in a cult. <laughs> yeah. Especially right after they're done their rituals, they say, brewski time, and then they start partying. I don't know about you, Stephanie, but anybody who says brewski unironically, and I say this as a Canadian, anybody who says brewski unironically is dead to me. (laughs) After recording, you don't want to go get a cold brewski with me? (laughs) I love these kind of words, like brewski, I call nachos chos. Za for pizza, like anything a brat boy will say, I'll try to use. (sighs) (laughs) Well, now we know that you have a stigma against bro language and bro culture. (laughs) Which is fair, because while these bros are drinking the brewskis and having a good time, there's the girl from the night before chained to the wall. And Brad goes up to her and laughs in her face about it, basically. It's really rude. I will also point out in this scene, they're cutting symbols into the, one of the hottest guys I've ever seen on this show. He, he He's a good looking guy. I mean, any time that they take off their shirts seems to really do something for you. So. <laughs> I just, I wake up inside. But no, but this guy's face itself was really good. He looks like the Duke of Hastings from Bridgerton. Anyone <laughs> out there who's digging on Bridgerton, he looked like the Duke of Hastings. Um, he's a cult. He's a, he's a member of a cult, but so are we. So I don't know. I can't really judge him. We're in Moloch's cult. Praise Moloch. Praise Moloch. <laughs> Moloch is a way better monster than Makita, though. Let's just say oh, that. Oh, 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 goals without saying. We can actually, when we get to Makita later, you and I can really go into why Moloch's cult is superior. <laughs> Sounds good. So the next day or later that day, later that day, because I guess the guys are pardoning up during the day at at the the Delta Zeta Kappa house. Willow is very surprised that Buffy wants to go to the fraternity party. And she says she thinks Angel's going to go with her. But then she realizes that she's going with Cordelia. And both Willow and Xander look shocked by this news. Willow says that she's jealous. And I was like, are you jealous that Buffy's going to the frat party? You're jealous that Buffy's hanging out with Cordelia? <laughs> and then, of course, Xander says Cordelia is much better for you than Angel. And like, I don't like his tone once again, because his jealousy is coming through. But I don't disagree, because maybe Cordelia would be really good for Buffy. <laughs> in in terms of that, I really love Cordelia. I really love Buffy. So if they wanted to get together, I wouldn't say no. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. I just wrote down at this point, I was just like, we get it, Xander. You don't like Angel. He is a broken record. Yeah. 
Buffy complains about Angel and she's saying nothing's happening with him. He barely speaks to her. And when he does speak to her, he treats her like a child. And Xander is agreeing adamantly with her all the while that she's saying this. Like every time she bashes Angel in this conversation, he's like, yeah, obviously. Like, mm hmm. And then when he learns that Buffy is looking forward to meeting Tom at the party, Xander immediately turns his hate and jealousy and suspicion from Angel to Tom. So I made a note here because I said that, you know, I'm on TikTok a lot and I'm here reading every single comment that comes through on my TikToks. And a lot of people who do defend Xander often say that he is concerned with Buffy because he doesn't trust vampires because he knows Angel's a vampire and he doesn't like vampires and we know this because Jesse died from vampires blah 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 but I'm like just in the fact that you and I've watched these episodes very closely up until now all the evidence is pointing to his jealousy not his worry and his concern for Buffy's safety it's his jealousy that Buffy is sexually attracted to Angel that Buffy wants to be in a romantic relationship with Angel and not Xander. So just his concern for her sexuality, her freedom, her virginity, like all that stuff is wrapped up into what Xander's caring about here. So it's not his concern. It's not his worry for her being in danger at all. It's about him. So that's my hot stake. I agree. I think that's really well said. <laughs> in the library, so Giles is playing with swords as the three of them come in. He gets embarrassed. It's cute. Uh, he asks how it went the night before, and Buffy says she found the bracelet. And again, like, I know the bracelet has blood on it, but I was also kind of like, this would just so does not seem suspicious to me. Right, but Buffy didn't can't see the blood, right? Because Buffy tells them there's blood on it, yeah. but it's not visible. And that requires her to explain that Angel showed up last night. So, yeah. you know, then Xander gets another jibe in, Ugh. and it's just like... It's a setup. And here, Xander pissed me off again, and... I also have to throw in that Willow says she's seen something like the bracelet before. But yeah, Xander immediately says that Buffy should make the rounds tonight. And he's like trying to cock block her from going to this frat party. And Giles, of course, agrees. And these men are talking about Buffy and what Buffy should be doing and making plans for Buffy right in front of her. It's yeah, that's what I noticed about this scene as well. It was very frustrating. Very frustrating. <sighs> and, and so when... Buffy's response to that is to get out of it by pretending that she's not feeling very well. She, you know, she thinks she's got something. Yeah, I think she says something sick. like, yeah, exactly. Joyce. Joyce is sick. <laughs> Joyce. Joyce. <laughs> um, you know, and Giles immediately kind of walks it back. And it's such a transparent lie. But I don't blame Buffy for this at all. No. And this is the thing, too, because when Buffy makes this lie, Willow's eyes go really big. Xander even says, Buffy, this is more important than... And then, of course, Buffy shut, like, shuts him down because she wants to go to the frat party. But again, Xander's trying to stop her from going. And it's like, shut up, Xander. <laughs> like, it's like, stop, stop it. Because once again, you're doing this out of jealousy and not out of concern for Buffy's safety. So, well, can you imagine if an older, like, sorority girl invited Xander to a sorority party? And how quickly he'd fucking go? And this is the thing. So, so they go out into the hallway and Willow and Xander are shocked, especially Willow, that Buffy would lie to Giles. And Willow expresses this shock. And later, like, it comes out in a visceral way that she, like, she knows that Buffy lied. It makes Willow uncomfortable. 
And Willow is the one that has to actually deal with the lie later. But I like the idea that they're shocked that she would lie to Giles because Buffy lies all the time. I've said this before. Buffy's a liar. Like she has to be. Uh, she's not always good at it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> she's not always good at it, but she, she does it. But she doesn't lie to Giles. So the fact that she is lying to Giles means that she's switched from him being an ally, from him being one of the gang, uh, like, you know, the three, like Xander, Willow, her, and Giles, to a parental figure. Because she's lying mm-hmm. to him like she would lie to her mom, like she would lie to Principal Snyder. So it's a change. That's a change in the way she's viewing him in this particular scene, in this particular episode. And Willow, it, it shook her. Because she's kind of like, if Buffy can lie to Giles, one of us then surely she can lie to anybody. She can lie to yeah. me. She can lie to Xander. <laughs> yeah, so I just, I think that's interesting. I like that that take and the way that these dynamics of this friendship group or this this unit, this team, this gang, <laughs> how it, it shifts sometimes depending on well, how Giles is acting. They're growing up. Yeah. They're getting older, right? <laughs> they're not sophomores anymore. They're juniors. And we're going to see that throughout the season as other things start to happen. Um, but yeah, so Willow says she's heard wild things happen at these parties. Drinking, older <gasps> guys, <gasps> probably orgies. <laughs> <gasps> I'm very curious what Willow thinks an orgy is. <laughs> yeah, and like that that really escalated. Like drinking, okay, yeah. Older guys, yeah. Orgies! <laughs> well, and I like how she skips right over the things that would actually be at a frat party. Like, she's right about the drinking and the older guys. But it's like, probably not an orgy, but probably lots of drugs, right? Yep. There's going to be the date rape drugs. There's just going to be, like, lots of party drugs. Probably weed as well, right? There's going to be, like... Ooh, weed. <laughs> <laughs> the devil's cabbage. <laughs> I, I mean, Buffy's familiar with that because of her mom. <laughs> Buffy's had her fair share of battles with weed and what it does to people we love. But, you know, there's um, like the drinking games. Sometimes there's like fights and stuff, right? You know, there's like parties of that sort. It's interesting to me that obviously Willow has this view that it's all about like the sex and stuff. But actually, it's more just about people being in a big group and doing really stupid shit. Yeah. Yeah. And getting rowdy. God, I want to go to a party. It's been so long. (laughs) I want to go to Brad's party. Buffy says that she saves the world seven days a week. Once in a while, she wants to have some fun, which is what tonight will be. And fair enough, Buffy. I mean, do I think this is, you know, your ideal version of fun? No, but I like that you are standing up for yourself and saying, Mm -hmm. I fucking want to do a normal thing. (laughs) <laughs> I want to do a normal teen thing. Yeah. And that's what tonight's going to be. And then cut to Cordelia, who's saying, tonight is not about fun. It's about duty. <laughs> She's so serious about this. <laughs> yeah. Okay, this this line made me laugh out loud. She was like, um, so she's talking to Buffy and she's like, your duty is to help me achieve permanent prosperity. <laughs> I know. Like this, again, Cordelia has goals. Yes. She knows what she wants, and she's 
planning this like a military campaign. <laughs> She's like, I have things to check off my list tonight, and the only way I can do it somehow involves you. You need to step in line. She goes over a long list of things that Buffy can't do, what she can't wear, <laughs> and the list is hilarious. And she's like, you can't wear black silk chiffon or spandex. Those are my trademark clothes. <laughs> she says, you know, lie to your mom where you're going. I'm going to pick you up. Lie to your mom because there will be drinking. Yes. Like, it's just so matter of fact. Like, is, I want to know, does Cordelia do this stuff? Like, is this her first frat party or has she been to parties like this before? Oh, she's definitely been to parties like this before. Mm. For sure. But like Cordelia is the most popular girl in school. She's getting invited to parties all the time. So this is not her first rodeo. And Xander and Willow are hanging out nearby. And this is when Xander chooses to make another prostitute joke towards Cordelia. And he says, are you printing up business cards with your pager number and hours of operation or just going with a halter top tonight? Like, shut up, Xander. Stop yeah. slut shaming her. You're all, like, whenever you criticize her, you are always poking fun at her sexuality. You have a whole personality of quirks with Cordelia that you could target. But again, right? This is Xander's inherent misogyny where he is criticizing Cordelia's sexual availability because she's unavailable to him. Yes. And this is how you know that this show is run and written mostly by men. Because they're viewing this from their male gaze. So yeah, Xander slut shames her all the time, but the women slut shame each other too. And Cordelia, mm -hmm. we've seen it before, her and Buffy taking jabs at the way each other look and their size. I mean, we saw it in this episode. <laughs> We're seeing it now. With, like Buffy's hair and stuff. <laughs> and we'll see more of it in the future. So like that that's the male gaze to me. And the fact that, you know, this whole like women bringing down other women, this is more of a current conversation that we've been having as feminists but in this show it's very mm -hmm. very evident and, and it's it's tiring and of course i i zero in on xander because he's the one that actually said the prostitute joke but cordelia has said a lot of rude things towards buffy's appearance in this episode too so we mm -hmm. just ugh, like we just i'm just sick of it and cordelia says to xander that you could belong to a fraternity of rich and powerful men in a bizarro world <laughs> And again, Xander gets really hurt by this. So again, I'm like, but Xander, you start it every time. Yeah. So I don't feel bad for you again. <laughs> so Xander and Willow slunk over to the nearby couches in this cool new student lounge that we talked about in the, the first episode of the season. And uh, Xander tells Willow that he's going to the party to keep an eye on Buffy while Willow is going to stay in the library tonight and help Giles. And Willow suggests that he wants to prove that he's just as good as those rich, snotty guys. And then, of course, maybe catch an orgy, which is a joke. But I think Willow really got this right. Because when Xander says he's going to go to the party and watch Buffy, watch her back, I actually don't think there's anything wrong with that if he was an actual nice guy. Like, if he was a, if he was a nice friend and was like, you know what? I've heard a lot of crazy things happen at frat parties. I'm just worried for my friend. These guys, we don't know them. So maybe I'll, I'll break into the party. I'll hang back. And just like keep my eye on things, right? I don't actually think there's a really big deal with that. It's a little, it's a little possessive, but if he's being a good friend, fine. But Willow pointed out here that you're going because you want to prove that you're better than these rich, snotty guys. And you probably are low-key hoping something bad will happen so you can save Buffy. 
And then you come out as the poor but better hero. I like that Willow's telling it how it is. And I think it's an interesting sign of these two friends' loyalty to Buffy. That this is Xander's solution. It's very much a 16-year-old boy solution. I think it's fine in terms of friends going to help another friend. And we've seen Xander be this type of hero before when he followed Buffy into the sewers in the pilot. Or in the harvest to help save Jesse. But I, I know that he's doing this out of jealousy. And I know that he's doing this to prove to himself something. So he's making this about him. So that's why this act is like, Xander, you're way over the top in this in mm. this situation. At the party that night, Cordelia pulls up with Buffy in the passenger seat and she says, okay, are you ready for this? And Buffy is having second thoughts. And she says, maybe this wasn't such a good idea because like she looks great. They both look great. But Buffy lied and she's just having second thoughts about, about this party. She's feeling nervous. Also, I want to point out for the record, Cordelia says, don't wear black. What does Buffy do? She's wearing black, a black silk dress. <laughs> you had one job, Buffy. <laughs> um, they go inside. They meet some of the, the Chets and the Chadwicks and the Jasons and the Brads that are at this party. And Cordy finds Richard and he hands them both drinks with alcohol in them. <gasps> the devil's liquid. <laughs> And Buffy says, is there alcohol in this? Because Buffy's a good girl, you know. And Richard says, there's just a smidge. And Cordelia says, yeah, Buffy, just a smidge. And they're peer pressuring her. And Buffy does not give in to peer pressure because she's a good girl. And she puts the drink down. And of course, Cordelia takes hers and follows Richard away, leaving Buffy there alone and out of place and feeling awkward. So... I know that Buffy lied to Joyce. I don't know how she explained she was leaving the house looking the way she's looking. Just to say, like, oh, I'm going to go hang out with Willow. <laughs> My guess would be that she had, like, a long coat on, right? Oh, true. Or she, I'm going to the bronze. Just a typical Tuesday night at the bronze. Um... <laughs> she went with the slut outfit this time? Instead of her interview outfit? Instead of, yeah, the, her uh, Mormon outfit. She chose the slut tonight. And, uh... Yeah, I just, I just like no one, no one talked to you girls clearly about taking drinks from men, taking open drinks from men you don't know at a party. And then she puts it down and later on she picks it up. Yeah. So even if the drink weren't tampered with earlier, you never leave your drink unattended. Exactly. Nobody has taught her these rules. Well, yeah, but we know that this is Co not Cordy's first party. This is Buffy's first party in Sunnydale, but she probably partied it up in LA. So girls... Never accept an open drink from a guy that you don't know, ever. So, mm -hmm. cut to the window. Xander is there wearing a polo shirt and white khakis. <laughs> and he's climbing through the window and falls in, grabs a drink. And just, just a little look inside this party. Obviously, we have all the bros and we have all their lady friends. And then we have the pledges who are walking around in cocktail dresses or like looking like uh, like they got makeup all over their faces just to show, you know, that fraternities are truly as misogynistic and like toxic masculinity and all that stuff that, that you think they are. It's, it's in this episode. So Xander's looking for Buffy, but he misses her. And Buffy, like you said, is contemplating taking that drink. And we see an incredibly drunk Mitch and he starts charging at her like a bull. Like, I don't know what he was going to do. 
I would have really loved to have seen Buffy take him out. But I don't know what he was doing. He just like runs at her. And that's when Tom grabs Buffy and pulls her onto the dance floor to, quote, save her. Yeah, exactly. This is so clearly a setup. And again, I just want to be clear. I am not upset with Buffy here because she does not know any better. You know, she is being expertly manipulated. All of my anger is directed at these frat boys who are being predatory towards a 16-year-old girl. He he's basically nagging Buffy into a conversation that helps with this manipulation, right? So he's like, he's glad she came. And see, she starts saying, oh, I shouldn't be here. And like, I have obligations. There's people who I'm responsible for. And he says he likes that, but there's such a thing as being too mature. He's doing this thing about her where Angel was saying, you're immature, you're young, you're 16. Tom saying, you're too mature and you should let down your guard and you should relax around me. You're not like other 16-year-old girls. Yeah. It's just, he's, it's every page of the classic pickup artist playbook and I hate it. Yeah, and Buffy's falling for it and Xander is talking to a bunch of girls nearby making Godzilla jokes and uh, Richard is watching with uh, his frat boyfriends, Chet and... What are other frat boy names that I can think of? Zane. Zane. <laughs> and they all realize that he is crashing. So they go up to him and they start shouting, new pledge, new pledge, and steer him away. So Buffy goes out to the front area just to do some thinking. And she finds a shard of glass, broken glass on the ground. And we as the viewer know that that's from the girl breaking, trying to break out from previously. But... There really is no reason why Buffy should be suspicious of this, but like like the bracelet when she found it, like her her slayer senses just tingle when there's something amiss. Mm-hmm. Like you know, I've been sixteen, I've been at a party, I've been drunk. Uh, if I found a broken shard of glass on the ground, I would never think anything of it. I'd kick it out of the way, and be like, hope no one steps on that. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I'm just saying, Buffy is a really good slayer because she's noticing shit no one else would notice. That's when Tom and Richard come out behind her, and Richard says. He basically just says that he's happy that his junk bonds have matured. So they need to drink to that. And Tom says, to maturity, just really rubbing it in that Buffy's being mature, to maturity, gives her the drink. And Buffy is successfully manipulated and says, I'm tired of being mature. And she downs her drink. And in the library, Willow and Giles are figuring out what the name of the bracelet could be. They're trying to figure out using some sort of search system on the computer. Yeah, they're like typing in like one letter, like all <laughs> all these words that Sent. end with ENT. Rent. Lent. I know. It's <laughs> the silliest possible way to deal with this. Um, but fortunately, it doesn't last very long. So they figure out that the bracelet says Kent mm-hmm. and that clicks for Willow. And as you mentioned earlier, right, Willow found the bracelet to be familiar and she's like oh i've seen girls from kent prep school wear this it's apparently a school outside of town because again sunnydale small town tons of schools (laughs) tons of cemeteries (laughs) so um willow's like hey i know what i'll do is i'll look to see if there's been any missing girls from kent and sure enough the girl that we saw previously shows up on the screen her name's callie which is my niece's name (laughs) So this hit harder. I was like, Callie, no. 
back at the frat house, the brothers are making Xander wear the women clothes and the makeup, and he's dancing in front of everyone because fuck frat houses. Yeah, this scene was, as, as a trans woman, I found this scene incredibly difficult to watch. It made me feel very uncomfy. Ugh, like, I hate it. And I also hate that Buffy has been drugged because the drink had drugs in it, and she's stumbling around the house uh this is scary this is real this is a real situation that too many women find themselves in and no and no one is helping her no one is noticing her not even the other women they're all watching xander dance and being like ha 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 this pledge when you're not noticing there's a 16 year old girl who can barely stand and is in a very vulnerable position now so buffy goes upstairs and passes out on a bed and fucking creepy-ass Richard comes into the room, turns her over, and starts caressing her, like her collarbone. So we're now up to sexual assault. Yes. The drugging, and then her being passed out in a bedroom, and a guy creeping in and taking advantage. This must be what the episode is trying to say. I know, yeah. It's a little bit preachy. In some ways. Um, I think it could have been worse. but <laughs> We've seen worse. <laughs> but yeah, we can get more into this a little bit later because Tom comes up behind Richard, throws him across the room, calls him a pervert. And at first you're like, yeah, 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 Tom, stop this pervert. And then he says, she's not for- here for your fun. She's here for the pleasure of the one we serve. And you're like, no, no, Tom. But of course, Tom. Tom's priorities, right? It's <laughs> Classic like. Classic Tom. Dude, um, you can't rape this girl. We got to like sacrifice her to our demon lord. Come right, on. Right, exactly. So this is the classic thing that Buffy does where they take a very real scene, which is commonly known in our society, mm-hmm. but then they twist it. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. in any, in a real world situation, very likely Richard would have just raped Buffy right there. But. Tom is coming in to say, in his name, we must sacrifice her instead. So that's the the Buffy twist. And then this is also horrifying. And this is why I remember this episode so well, because this shocked me when I was younger and I still hate it now. When Tom says, that goes for the other one too. And then it pans over and Cordelia is also passed out on the floor next to the bed. (sighs) So... Cut to the library. Giles is talking about the missing girl and he's about to call Buffy and Willow is an actual good friend unlike Xander and protests and she's keeping Buffy secret and she's like, hey, don't call her mom. Giles agrees and they should just wait to find out more about the situation before they call her. And then Willow realizes that there are more missing girls, uh, many of which disappeared a year ago, almost to the day. So, of course, now Giles is like, you know, he's got his detective hat on. He's like, anniversary or date that's significant to the killer. And Willow's like, whoa, 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 the killer? Like, you're jumping to conclusions. And then they're both like, oh, yeah, hell mouth. <laughs> like, of course, <laughs> of course. So then they need to find out where Buffy found that bracelet. And they once again, Giles wants to contact Buffy. But Willow says, call Angel because he was there when she found it. So... At the frat house, the brothers are kicking Xander out, and he's like, no way to have a friend here. She's is she still in there, and they lock him, but they don't care. They lock him out. And in the basement, Richard is carving symbols into Tom because they're about to sacrifice Buffy and Cordelia 
and this other girl to something called Makita. Cordelia and Buffy are actually awake. They're awake and they're chained to the wall just like Callie. And I was like, wow, that those roofies like wore off <laughs> really quick and knocked them out for a solid half an hour. That's all they needed. It was a pretty good drug. Makita likes them alive and kicking. <laughs> Who doesn't? <laughs> Ooh, Steph. <laughs> um, Cordy is freaking out. She says she wants to go home. And Callie says that Tom... The, this universal nice guy, Tom, he's different than the other ones. He's nicer, but he's the one to watch out for. And this is where I come back to our discussion at the very beginning of this episode, where it's like, who is the reptile boy? I do think it's Tom. Like, Tom is the snake in this situation, right? Because Tom okay. is the one that was fake. Tom is the one that talked the talk to get the girls to the party, to get them down. He's clearly the leader of this cult here. And, like, he is the metaphorical snake in this situation. <laughs> okay. I like that reading of it. Good job. These these snaky frat boys. So <laughs> Buffy starts tugging at her chains. Uh, Tom takes out three stones. So the ritual's on its way. Three stones, three girls. Cordelia, I did point out here, Cordelia does say very cruelly to Buffy, why did I ever let you talk me into coming here? I laughed at this line because it's classic Cordelia, right? Where she's transferring and she's <laughs> basically saying like, I'm only in this situation because of you, Buffy, which is untrue. But I think Cordy genuinely believes this. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I was like, okay, Cordy, that's really fucking unfair. And you're so wrong. But you're right. Like, Cordy would reinvent reality so i don't know cardelia i love you so much but like that was low mm -hmm. so we cut back to the library and who has joined giles and willow steph's boyfriend <laughs> angel's there and he's not casting uh, a reflection and willow's noticing this for the first time asks him how he shaves <laughs> willow coming in with the important questions it, it, it's a valid question it is but i was also like does he grow facial hair that is also a valid question <laughs> i don't know I don't so know. many questions about angel's physique that i'm sure you would love to explore more intimately Steph. and i will <laughs> oh i will and <laughs> I, this is my favorite scene in the whole episode i think willow kicks ass here so so angel says he found the bracelet near the south wall that's when they realize hey that's near the frat house and then, hey, they should go there and explore. That's when Willow spills the beans and says that Buffy is there with Cordelia. And Giles, of course, says, she lied to me. And Angel, of course, says, did she have a date? <laughs> These men. and These fucking men. So Willow goes off. And I just want to say, I love you, Willow. Because we still haven't got the Willow episode we deserve. <laughs> nope. But in every single episode of this season so far, Willow has said or done something that is just so precious and so erudite and so, oh, like, good for you, Willow, because she's basically lecturing these two grown-ass men you know, and she's like, you, like, how dare you tell Buffy you're not going to have coffee with her, you know? And then she turns on Giles and she's like, and you, <laughs> you know, you don't let her do anything. It's just work, work, work. And, you know, you're going to kill her with the pressure. 
you know and i i think she makes a comment like like something about her age she says so she says she buffy's 16 going on 40 because of all the responsibility it's such a good speech and because willow is normally the quiet one we don't expect this vociferousness to come from her yeah and she actually tells angel something super true where she's like okay you're gonna live forever you don't have time for a cup of coffee (laughs) yeah (laughs) and then she like as quickly as the burst comes out of her she calms down and she says okay i'm done now i don't feel better Let's go help Buffy, right? Yeah. And I love that she acknowledges that her yelling at them has not improved anything. <laughs> Good for you, Willow. Let's go find Buffy. Exactly. I do wish Xander was here for this outburst as well, because she also needs to tell Xander off. But we can't have it all. We'll get there. Xander is talking to himself uh, as he walks down the driveway. And he's still, like, shirtless. Like, he's not. he didn't put his clothes back on after they handed it to him. I'm just like, that's weird. But he's saying, if you listen to him monologue, he's just like, one day I'll have money, prestige, power, and on that day, they'll still have more. And I was like, "Mm, true, 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 true. That's when he notices Cordelia's car is still there, so something is afoot. In the basement, Tom is doing the ritual chants uh, for this mysterious Makita. Apparently, Makita is the one that has given them their wealth and their possessions and their power and their place in the world. So here's where we know that Makita is the reason these guys are so powerful and rich and their fathers and their grandfathers were powerful and rich. They've been doing this ritual for years and years and years. And it it is a cult. And it rivals Moloch's cult in terms of numbers and perhaps style of robes. But Moloch was about love. It wasn't so much about power. Moloch was so pure. <laughs> Moloch... He just wanted to snap your neck. <laughs> he didn't really want that much. No, he just wanted you to declare your love. And then he said he'd give you everything. And then he broke your neck. So like, we that's crystal clear instruction. Yeah. So I don't understand Makita's deal here. But like, praise Moloch. We're, we're on Moloch's side. And Tom throws those stones into the giant well they all start bowing, and that's when a giant snake demon that looks like a giant penis <laughs> comes out of the well. Cordelia screams, and this is how I know this is a heavy-handed way to say that the metaphor for this episode is girls who go to parties and drink will get raped. Mm-hmm. And it, it it's a giant snake that all these frat boys are worshiping right they're they're worshiping this giant man snake aka their penises <laughs> and they already roofied the girls they already got the girls where they wanted to be now they got to set their snake on them yeah and it's just it's such a bad costume you know like <laughs> yeah. and the the actor doesn't say anything like this is my issue with this monster makita like he's just there in this bad costume going podcast is a terrible medium for this but i'm like spreading my arms right and he's just like making a face and he's just like hissing and stuff and it's just like you're not scary no you know this as you pointed out earlier stephanie the scary people are the frat boys yeah those are the real snakes in this situation and i mean it is like makita is basically a penis like <laughs> he appears and he's just there and like we gotta do with it what we will yes that is how penises work 
just happens to rise up and now he's gonna eat Cordelia. And I also think the costume is so bad because, okay, so we know that Makita is gonna devour these three sacrifices, right? His mouth is so small. <laughs> he's got the smallest little mouth and these it's little It's gonna take teeth. him a while, it's yeah. Gonna, like, can you imagine? I mean, maybe he can unhinge his jaw, right? Like a snake. <laughs> but yeah, like, do Tom and Chad have to hang around Oh. Until he's done? Like, do they just sit there while he's going, chomp, 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 chomp? Oh my god, it would take forever for him to eat these three girls. Like, forever! <laughs> maybe it's like a ritual eating? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe like maybe like he'll like go back down his well and they just toss the girls down there. Like we don't get that far, of course, because at this point the cavalry has arrived. Oh, and I love it. Um so Giles and Willow and Angel show up, and who do they encounter outside? None other than your friendly neighborhood Xander, who's wearing <laughs> a cult robe because I mean Xander's resourceful. He found it in the trash and he puts two and two together and he's like, you know what? I could probably disguise myself in this. And yeah, he does and he does meet up with them and he says he saw them all go down to the basement. And Giles deduces that there's some kind of ritual happening and Angel puts on his vant face and he says, "With Buffy, because Buffy's in danger and he can't have that because he is a hero." So, <laughs> okay, what's funny about Makita too? <laughs> Is that Mikita's come out, you know, he's he's erected from this well, if you don't mind me saying. And he's just kind of like hovering around. Like he's just kind of like Yeah, that's what watching. I meant. Like it's he's useless. He like, doesn't does do he even ha- does he have to wait for them to finish chanting or something? I don't know. He's just kind of hanging out. And uh, uh he's going to attack Cordelia first cuz she's closest. And Buffy starts giving it sa- giving Makita sass. She's just like, "Hey reptile boy, you don't want her. She's all skin and bones. Half an hour later, you'll st- you'll be hungry again." And Tom says to Buffy, "No woman speaks to him." And I was like, you misogynistic piece of shit. And then he he backhands Buffy across the face, says he'll cut her throat if she keeps speaking. This is when Xander knocks on the door and that big bull charger guy from before answers the door. And I'm like, how come you're not down at the ritual, Zach? Like, why aren't you down there? And he's not good enough. <laughs> he's not, he yeah, got left out. He's too drunk. Um, Xander punches him in the face and he really hurts his hand while doing that because he's human and that would uh, that would hurt your hand um and then angel comes up behind and starts uh, taking out all the bros uh willow and giles come in too and you know what giles hits one of the guys really hard so he's come a long way from the harvest remember when he just like gets taken out so easily by darla (laughs) so in the basement the brothers are unchaining cordelia who's about to get devoured by the penis And more brothers run upstairs because they hear the commotion. Buffy finally pulls her chains free. And she, I laughed so hard at this. She punches Makita in the face, who falls back. So funny. And then she starts taking out the bros that are still in the dungeon. And uh, Willow has peeked, has looked for the basement door. She finds it. And while the boys are fighting with the bros upstairs, she says, guys, Buffy, snake, basement now. (laughs) Willow doesn't waste words. No. (laughs) So Tom has grabbed a sword and says, you bitch, I'll serve you to him in pieces. And, And once again, right, like this is my favorite type of confrontation between Buffy and a bad guy is when the bad guy like we saw in some assembly required has no clue who Buffy is doesn't know about slayers 
thinks that she's just, you know, some weak, blonde teenage girl. I love this because it's not just about underestimating her. It's like that anticipation that we have as the audience that he's going to get his ass kicked, right? Like it's that typical overconfidence of a man. Um, So he's like, ah, I've got a sword. And despite the fact that you've ripped out of your chains and punched my demon lord, I think I can take you. (laughs) He doesn't, obviously. Buffy takes him out so easily. It's it's nothing to her. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing, Tom. I'm embarrassed for you. Like if this were the 21st century, right? Somebody would be recording that and live streaming it. Oh, yeah. That would go viral 100%. (laughs) And the capture would be like, frat boy take it out by blonde cheerleader. Yeah two million hits then buffy so easily just takes a sword chops makita in half that's it's a very interesting vulnerability he's got there and makita doesn't fight back he doesn't turn around and like snake slither over to buffy <laughs> no. he doesn't try to wrap her up in the coils of his body right like yeah this is what i mean you know moloch at least posed a threat to buffy yeah of course he did moloch was a hard villain to beat <laughs> he crashed through a wall she couldn't punch him. This guy, like, she Ugh. punched Makita in the face, and now she cut him in half. No problem. Right on his, like, phallic body. Yep. <laughs> and uh, she says, let him, go- let let her go, wormy, as she does it. It's, like, not even a good line. So, yeah, and that's that's basically it. So Cordelia is a mess, and she says, you did it. You saved us. And you think she's talking to Buffy, but sure enough, she goes straight into Angel's arms <laughs> because Cordelia is everything. And uh, she then says, like, I just I just hate you guys. Like, the weirdest things happen when you're around. And it's so true. <laughs> Angel brings Tom upstairs, and that's when Cordelia grabs Tom by the shirt and says, you're going to jail for 15,000 years. I mean, he should. He should. He should, yeah. And that's when they all go upstairs, except for Giles and Buffy, who have a talk and of course Buffy confesses and says dad I told one lie I had one drink <laughs> and Giles says and you're almost devoured by a giant demon snake so any like if he were to say let that be a lesson to you it would just be redundant at this point so I have two thoughts on that first that line is funny on the surface and I definitely laughed but it is like you were saying earlier stuff when we're, we're seeing this episode as this metaphor for if you go to a party, you're going to get raped. That's basically what Giles is saying here, right? He's basically victim blaming Buffy. And he's like, what did you expect? You went to a party and you had a drink. Of course, this was going to happen to you. Yep. So in that sense, I think if we're looking at the party as that metaphor and through that lens, that line from Giles is not so funny and innocent anymore. That's true. Number two... Yet again, for the second episode in a row, we see that Giles should just let Buffy do whatever the hell she wants to do as a teenager because, I don't know, she's got some kind of guardian spirit that always makes sure she ends up in the right place at the right time. Mm -hmm. Because, like, if Buffy had been a good girl and not gone to this frat party, Cordelia would be dead now, along with Callie, and these guys would have fed Makita, right? Like... Buffy was in the right place to be the slayer. And that is, I don't know if you call it luck or destiny or whatever, but Giles should be picking up on this, right? Mm. And like, stop trying to control Buffy. She always ends up in the right place. Yeah, that's a really, really good point. And it actually makes me think that Xander, 
must also have this magic fairy on his shoulder because he also was in the oh, right yeah. place at the right time. Even though his intentions for being at the party were misguided, he happened to be there as well. Well, you know, and the guardian spirit is also the one like helping Giles and Willow type letters into the computer <laughs> to find the right name. Like Rent. there's just there's there's Sent. a power in Sunnydale that's kind of like nudging and trying to help our heroes yeah. to work against the evil of the Hellmouth. It's almost like they're heroes written in a story where good things will more or less happen to them. (laughs) But Okay, now we're getting really meta. So Buffy and Giles have this exchange, and he gets a little vulnerable, right? And he's like, you know, I drive you hard because I know what you're going to face, which, again, we get it, Giles. We get it. You're her watcher. You feel responsible. Yeah. Chosen one, vampires, weight of the world. We hear at the beginning of every episode. Blah, 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 blah. <sighs> so, but he backs off a bit. He's like, okay, you know what? I'm, I'm going to give you a little bit of space. So they've reached a detente. Yep. And, you know, they, they leave the basement and presumably Makita's body is just going to stay there until <laughs> the corrupt cops who know about the monsters or whatever show up. But we cut to the bronze. Yeah, which, okay, next day, two days from then? Well, I I mean, yeah, time is weird, because we'll get to that in a moment, I'm sure. But first, we see Cordelia interacting with the same character that we saw in the last episode, the really short guy. The little guy. Uh, Yeah, he almost got his life sucked out, and now (laughs) he's, like, courting Cordelia. Wow. And he gets a name. She calls him Jonathan, and she treats him horribly. So Cordelia's feeling better. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and Jonathan's feeling good because this is the second most beautiful woman in the world wanting time with him in a couple weeks. So good for mm-hmm. him. You'll notice, Kara, that <laughs> Jonathan brought Cordelia the bronze special, which is <laughs> which is a baked good on a plate. <laughs> I still I'm still trying to figure out the bronze cuisine here. <laughs> which we haven't seen since season one, but <laughs> I'm glad to see the bronze doesn't change in terms of their cuisine. <laughs> oh, that's funny. And um, yeah, so so why I say what day is it is because Xander's yeah. reading the newspaper at the bronze with the girls. And he's saying all the brothers at the frat house were sentenced to consecutive life sentences. Investigators found the bones of missing girls in a huge cavern beneath the frat house dating back 50 years. So a surprising number of corporations whose chairmen and founders are former Delta Zeta Kappas are suffering from failing profits, IRS raids, and suicides in the boardroom. And then Xander says, starve a snake, lose a fortune, which I thought was funny. The justice system in Sunnydale is really strange. It's just fast. Because as most of us know, right, like in the real world, when you're charged with a crime, especially a really serious crime like murder, your trial could take years. Years, yeah. This is like they go from being caught to being sentenced in at, I would say it's been no more than a day or two. Right? It's been like, like a couple hours. <laughs> I wish it worked so. this quickly. I do. I do. In the Buffy verse, shit works really quick and justice well, is served. Yeah, like, you know, in the real world, these guys, like their rich fathers and stuff, would get them off. Yeah. Like, they'd hide all the evidence. And they'd walk. In the real world, these um, powerful men did not commit suicide in the boardroom. 
they were murdered, just like Jeffrey Epstein in his prison cell. Everyone needs to wake up. He was murdered. But uh, yeah, like, I mean, I'm glad that it worked out fast here. It's just a little too convenient. You know, maybe tell us like in season three what happened with the guys. (laughs) So Willow asks Buffy, has she heard from Angel? He really got mad when he thought she was in danger and Willow thought that was amazing because Willow is a Buffy Angel stan. He thought it was cool that he went vamp mode. (laughs) Yeah, because Willow supports the relationship, as do I. And Xander says, Angel, 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 does every conversation we have have to come around to that freak? Just as Angel walks up behind him. And yes, Xander, it does. And Angel says, Buffy. And Buffy says, Angel. And Xander says, Xander. And it's just like, stop inserting yourself in. Stop! (laughs) You jealous little toad. Um, Angel then asks Buffy to go to coffee with him sometime. (laughs) He's asking her out. And, uh, you know, if she wants. If she wants to. And Buffy says, yeah, sometime. I'll let you know. And she gets up and she walks away and grins. And I love that Buffy has her power back. Mm-hmm. Giles backed off. Giles said he was sorry for pushing her. Angel is accepting her coffee date. But my thing was like, why? where is she going? Where did she walk off to? Was she off to go have another sex dream about Angel? I hope so. But like, just like it was a weird thing for her to just kind of like be like, I'll let you know and walks away. I mean, <laughs> if Joyce found out that she'd gone to a frat party, Buffy might be grounded. Damn, you're right. But anyway, <sighs> so yeah, so this was an episode. Who's your hero? <laughs> My hero is Willow. Mine was Willow too. Yeah, well, because she she does so much work in this episode. She stays behind. She doesn't run off to the frat party like Xander does. Mm-hmm. She's like, no, I'm going to be the responsible one. I'm going to stay and do research with Giles, even though it's boring. And, of course, when the men are trying to say what Buffy should do and stuff, she stands up and she delivers that incredible speech. So... Willow is the hero in this episode because she does her duty, but she also doesn't let people push her or Buffy around. And I like that she is the beacon of truth here, right? Like she's just like spitting facts left and right in this episode. And I love it. Cool. The last episode and this episode are such filler episodes. So was Some Assembly Required, but I do feel like in Some Assembly Required, we got a tiny bit of progression. Inca Mummy Girl... The only progression was the introduction of Oz. Mm -hmm. This episode, the only introduction was a little extra nudge for Buffy and Angel to go on a date, which happens in the next episode. Mm -hmm. So also not really necessary. So I'm I'm happy that we got some funny Cordelia. Some some of the funniest moments for Cordelia so far have been in this episode. I'm happy we got that scene with Willow yelling at the boys. Just filler, like 22 episodes of a season, you're going to get filler, but... It's not a particularly good episode, but it's also still just so much better than any of the filler season one episodes. Yeah, so. I agree with you. All right, we have some hot stakes. The first one is from Phoenix, who is one of the hosts of the Witch Bitches Review Podcast. And Phoenix is a real witch. And him and his co-host review representations of witchcraft in pop culture on their podcast. So you guys should go check it out if you want to learn more about witchcraft. So Phoenix listened to Some Assembly Required and sent us this. Hey, it's Phoenix here. I want to bring up something problematic in Some Assembly Required that I forgot about until I started listening to your episode just now. 
Steph mentions Giles suggesting the culprit may be a voodoo practitioner raising zombies. This is a pretty common trope in media when any type of zombie, grave digging, body parts are involved in something. But voodoo is actually an entire religious system and closed practice. It highly focuses around ancestor work and is derived from a combination of different forms of African polytheism and blended with Roman Catholicism. Did I say that right? Catholicism. Catholicism. Um, I'm not an expert on the subject by any means, but it definitely adds another layer to the racism that exists within the Buffyverse. In any type of fantasy show, it's really common to use witchy buzzwords to convey a certain type of image, so it's easy to miss if it's something you're not looking for. Thought you might want some food for thought on an otherwise throwaway scene in the episode overall. So, thanks Phoenix. It's so interesting to know that... It is a type of religion that people follow mm-hmm. very closely. So, yeah, another situation where the writers just throw in something out of convenience without actually understanding or realizing that just because it's not prominent in Western culture doesn't mean it doesn't mean a lot to somebody somewhere else. Absolutely. So I'm glad when people point those things out because we're definitely trying to point that out as we go along and inevitably we will miss things. Um, so keep keep those kinds of problematic call outs coming appreciate Mm -hmm. it who's next next is spencer spencer has been listening and after he listened to nightmares season one episode 10 he sent us this nicholas brendan's record shows that he's a lot like xander do the prophecy girls think he really puts himself into the role and that contributes to why xander sucks (laughs) Or do you think he's become objectionable as a person after spending the better part of a decade performing as a piece of shit? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I don't really think I've seen Nicholas Brendan in anything else. So I know that Nicholas Brendan has had a lot of issues following his time on Buffy. He has been arrested multiple times. Most recently, he was arrested for abusing his girlfriend. I think he choked her. Wow. He's an alcoholic. He abuses drugs. He has depression. He's been in rehab. Like, he's had a lot of struggles. Like, I don't know if he's a piece of shit or not, because I actually don't know the man, obviously. So whether or not playing Xander for so long affected his personality, I mean, I think that's really hard to say. And I think it really depends on the actor, how much of themselves they put into a role, and then how much of their lifestyle and their personal brand and their feelings of self self worth come from playing such a role and such a character on such a special show that ends after a long time. And I know that Nicholas Brandon didn't go and do too much after Buffy ended. He's been in shows and movies, but nothing as big as Buffy. So it is, it's really hard to answer this question whether or not he was always this way. Or I, I do think that from what it sounds like, he is probably deeply insecure. Yeah, I'm always, yeah, I'm, I'm always nervous about kind of like attributing a character to an actor, mm-hmm. right? But I think it's worthwhile pointing out that actors are often really problematic because... When you work in an industry that's all about image, sometimes you have trouble managing yourself as a person. Yeah, and especially if you're already struggling with your self-identity and your self-worth, and that gets wrapped up in Hollywood and all this fame, for sure that can lead to struggles down the road. Um, I did 
very quickly look up a little bit about actors' headspaces when it comes to connecting or disconnecting from their characters, especially really dark ones. And Mark Seaton, a researcher in the Department of Theater and Performance Studies at the University of Sydney, wrote a whole article about it. And basically what he says is that actors may often prolong addictive, codependent, and potentially destructive habits of the characters that they have embodied. So hmm. it can happen, uh, but it really does depend on the actor. Cool. Well, thank you for sharing that, Spencer. And then we're going to finish off with two shout outs to some users on Twitter. We have the World Wizard Crystal News podcast, who are a comedy fiction podcast about a news broadcast in a Dungeons and Dragons like fantasy world. So that sounds pretty cool. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to give them a shout out because they've been sending us some really great comments as they listen to the episodes. There's just too many spoilers for future developments to share any of the comments specifically right now. But I wanted to acknowledge, you know, we're loving that you're listening and you're telling us what you think. And similarly, we got a tweet from ACAB for Cutie. Love the name. <laughs> and she says, I recently discovered your podcast. It's a great companion for work from home. I just finished your episode on Teacher's Pet in which you ask for a name for listener mail. I don't know if you picked anything yet. But what if you say listeners beeped you? Ooh, so I thought that was cute. That is cute. Yeah. Uh, finally, I've got my own hot steak. <gasps> what? I know. I'm writing into my own show. Um, this is not really a correction, but for last week's episode, Inca Mummy Girl, mm -hmm. we were talking a little bit about, similar to the voodoo thing, how the writers were kind of just taking very stereotypical ideas about Incan culture um, when it comes to the mummy and her backstory uh, and even just like the language on the seal and stuff. It just so happens that this past week I've been reading a book called 1491 New Revelations of the Americas Before Columbus by Charles C. Mann. So it's all about what life was like in North and South America before Christopher Columbus, quote unquote, discovered the continent <laughs> for Europeans. So the author spends quite a bit of time on the Inca, uh, on the Incan Empire. Uh, so I just wanted to share a couple of facts that I learned. So for one thing, the language that the Inca, Inca spoke, well, in Spanish, it's called Quechua, which I think I knew at some point. But I learned that the uh, Inca name for their language was Runa Sumi. So that would be what the mummy girl speaks and what's written down on uh, the seal. Hmm. And, you know, she we're told that she's this like human sacrifice to protect the power of the Inca. As far as I know from reading this book, the Inca did not practice human sacrifice. Other Mesoamerican uh, nations like the uh, Triple Alliance, a.k.a. the Mexica or more commonly known to us as the Aztec, they did human sacrifice, mm. um, although it was usually like warriors and, and prisoners of war and stuff. So I just wanted to share a couple of little facts that were relevant to last week's episode because I didn't know those things at the time. And <laughs> it's good when you learn new things to set the record straight. For sure. Thank you for that. And I want to uh, remind everybody who is listening along that when we record these episodes, we're usually two weeks ahead of schedule. So if you're thinking of sending in your hot steak for an upcoming episode of season two, just do so 
knowing that we record ahead of time. When you think it's going to happen, it's already happened. So <laughs> send it as soon as, as ahead of time as you can. <laughs> All right. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for listening to Prophecy Girls. We invite you to join in the discussion by messaging us on our social media channels. Follow us at Prophecy Girls Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook, and Prophecy underscore Girls on Twitter. You can also reach out to our email at prophecygirlspodcast at gmail.com or visit our website, prophecygirls.ca. See you next week. Bye.